Greetings, Encourager Nation. Thanks for tuning in for episode 24 of the Encouragers United podcast. This week, I'm dipping into my archives to share with you a message that I've preached several times in my life, most recently at the 2018 Alive Music Festival here in Northeast Ohio. I believe it's a great reminder for all of us to balance the use of technology in our daily lives. Computers, gaming systems, and phones, they're all marvelous tools that we use to work and communicate and connect with our family and the entire world. However, in this speech, I'm going to ask you to make sure that those tools are working for you rather than the other way around. I use a historical account from the book of 2 Kings in the Bible to illustrate that we can quickly be captivated by these created things and lose sight of the Creator who gave them to us. And in the spirit of King Hezekiah from that Old Testament story, I smash these idols in front of the crowd just to illustrate how we should deal with anything that gets in between us and our God. Enjoy. So I've simply titled this message, What's Your Snake? What's Your Snake? This picture that you see here is actually uh, from a mountaintop, Mount Nebo, in the country of Jordan. It's high upon a mountain. And it is simply a brazen or metal snake wrapped around a pole. This was believed to be the place that Moses overlooked to see the promised land from the top of Mount Nebo, but he never entered the promised land. But if you know your Old Testament king's history, you'll know that that brazen snake has a very interesting history. And so turn with me, if you can, to the book of 2 Kings. 2 Kings in the Old Testament. This record of the history of the leadership of the, of the, of the people of God, of Israel. So 2 Kings 18. We're going to be introduced to a king named Hezekiah. King Hezekiah has quickly become one of my favorite kings in this story. 2 Kings 18 reads like this. In the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was, was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. He removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made. For up to that time, the Israelites had been burning incense to it. It was called Nehushtan. And so this emblem that's on the top of Mount Nebo is called Nehushtan. It's not the actual Nehushtan because as we just read, Hezekiah smashed it to bits. But he smashed it to bits because people were worshiping it rather than the story and the creator of why it was created. Let's continue to read here in verse 5. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not cease to follow him. He kept the commandments the Lord had given Moses, and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. Wow, that's a great testimony about Hezekiah in the Old Testament. 
But let's jump back up to this, this point where he smashed things. He broke into pieces the bronze snake, plus the high places, the sacred stones, and he cut down the Asherah poles. Well, from a history standpoint, the short story is, is that these were all items of idol worship. Okay, the people had sort of shied away from and started to integrate maybe the relevant cultural pieces that came to them and maybe a God that was kind of cool from another group of people. And they started to sort of, oh, we'll build a little altar here and we'll, we'll create this little, you know, worship spot and we'll create like a totem pole and we'll, you know, we'll create all of these items so that we can see our worship, right? Well, and Hezekiah has a bit of history here. I, I can't help but tell you this. If you just jump back two chapters, King uh, in, in chapter 16, we read about Hezekiah's dad, okay? Hezekiah's dad was, was a man named Ahaz. All you got to do is read verse 3. Well, I'll start in verse 2. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem only 16 years. Unlike David, his father, he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and even sacrificed his son in the fire, following the detestable ways of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites and he offered sacrifices and burned incense at the high places on the hilltops and under every spreading tree. Hezekiah grew up in the household of a man who was not following God, who had integrated all of the culture into his rule and was even himself worshiping all of these other foreign gods, even to the point of sacrificing one of Hezekiah's siblings, an older brother perhaps. What? Yeah, you read that. That's all right there in 16 and 17. And, and you'll read the Kings and the Chronicles, and there's just this cyclical process of a good king leading to a bad king, leading to a good king, leading to a bad king, leading to a good king, leading to a bad king. But think of the trauma that Hezekiah grew up in to see sacrifice of his own sibling at the hands of perhaps a, a, a father who was not following the Lord. Yeah. He's pretty passionate, I would think, about doing things the way the Lord wanted us to do them. So the first thing that, that the Bible records in, in chapter 18 that Hezekiah did is he tore it all down. He busted it all up. And he went back to commandment number one. You shall have no other gods but me. I am the Lord your God, right? Commandment number one. That's a good place to start. And so as the king, at 25 years old, he stands up sees the B-level predator who has seeped in, who has slithered in and changed his people and their worship. And he said, not on my watch. One more little thing. Back to verse four. He removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones and cut down the Asher poles, got rid of all that other cultural idolatry. But listen to this. Read that statement with me. He broke into pieces the bronze snake that Moses had made for up to that time the Israelites had been burning incense to it. It was called Nehushtan. I, I kind of want to talk about this, this emblem. You, you recognize that, don't you? This emblem is actually not the Nehushtan, but we believe that it has its roots in the Nehushtan story. This is actually the staff of Hermes or the staff of Mercury. Uh, the, the Romans sort of stole this, in my opinion, right? The Romans and the Greek gods were all just made up from other things. And this is the universal symbol that we use that we see on an ambulance or medicine and health, right? Hmm, interesting. I got to tell you this story of the Nehushtan. So back in Numbers, we'll go to the next, we'll go to the next. We'll go back in history, 800 years. 800 years, whoop! We're going back in history, 800 years. Let's go to Numbers chapter 21. Numbers 21. Keep your finger right there in 2 Kings. Here we go. It's the story of the bronze snake. 
So the people have been freed of their captivity in Israel or in Egypt, right? The Israelites, ah, we're a people. We're going to be moving out. Moses is leading us. We're out in the wilderness, okay? So pick it up in verse 4, chapter 21 of Numbers, verse 4. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom, but the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt and to die in the desert? There's no bread. There's no water. We detest this miserable food. How many children have said such things on the long car trip across the country to see grandma? Why have you taken us so far out of the way? There's no food and we hate this stuff that you're feeding us. I was one of those little kids 40 some years ago, right? So you, you see where we're going with this, right? So this happened a lot if you study the Old Testament stories, right? They just, ah, I hate this. Well, let's give them a little bit of credit. It was probably pretty miserable. You pack everything up, you know, it's like, on a, like camping, right? I'm married to a person that doesn't camp, okay? We, the, her idea of camping is that, you know, Hampton Inn uh, on the corner there. That's camping, right? So we pack, we pack everything up and we're traveling and it's hot and it's, you know, it's dry. Ooh, verse six, watch this. The Lord sent venomous snakes among them and they bit the people and many of them died. The people came to Moses and said, whoa, 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 we sinned. We, 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 we spoke against you and the Lord. We're so sorry. Pray that the Lord will take these snakes away from us. Of course, the venomous snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. Oh, Lord, help them to realize that you're in charge and that you provided for them and that we are in a process here. And so the Lord said to Moses, make a snake, put it up on a pole. Anyone who's bitten can look at it and live. And so Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. And then anyone who was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. Lest you were tired of the journey, look what's out in the land. Those snakes are killing you, you and your people. Here's the salvation. Look at the snake and you'll be healed. Wow, what a great story. And it's so nonchalant here in, in Numbers 21. It's like, eh, this happened in a little paragraph. Yeah. So they kept it. Of course they did. It's an awesome artifact. This thing is 800 years old. At the time of Hezekiah, it's 800 years old. Think about that for a second. We don't even have things in our country that are 800 years old. Like somebody crashed the Liberty Bell or something. That's like the most cherished thing we have, right? I don't know, the break, take down the Statue of Liberty or something. This is like a national artifact. It was in the Ark of the Covenant. This is an awesome piece of artwork, right? And I'm guessing I'm only speculating here, but somebody somewhere said, wow, it healed me of my snake bite. Maybe it'll heal me of this. Maybe it'll heal me of that. Maybe we, maybe we could put it up on a pole and we could worship it. And that's exactly what under these kings in the sequence, 800 years of, of time had passed. And under Hezekiah's rule, the people were worshiping the snake rather than the creator of the snake. It had slithered in and had seeped into their lives and it had distracted them and it had derailed their worship. So I simply asked you this morning, what is your snake? Because you know, Eve had a snake. Yeah, she did, didn't she? That's the first recorded interaction that we see with the serpent. The serpent sort of slithers up next to Eve and says, hey, is that really what he said? Did he say you couldn't eat of any of the trees? 
Well, no, he said, we just couldn't eat from that one. Well, of course, that's not really what he went because, you know, and, and, and you see the deception, right? So the distraction leads to a deception. And the deception, when it plays out, it's the destruction of the relationship between she and her husband and the two of them and God. And it broke apart the relationship of God and creation. All because a little snake just sithered in and said, well, is that really what we're talking about here? B-level predator. And she backed up, didn't she? She said, well, maybe he destroyed it. The Lord Jesus had a snake. I won't go to the, to the scripture, but you know that he was tempted in the wilderness. 40 days, he took, a, he took a walkabout, right? And the enemy says three times to him, come on, you got to do it this way. And Satan departed from him after those three temptations, okay? Ladies and gentlemen, you have a snake. I don't know what it is. It's a metaphor for the Lord and you and, their, and our enemy. I have an idea of what your snake might be because it's very real to me and it is what my testimony is to you this morning as to how I have fought and will continue to fight that B-level predator in my life. One more thing I forgot, Nehushtan. Okay, this great name, Nehushtan. You'll read it in your outline. I think this is very comical, right? There's this irony in God's word, this irony for those of us who will look for it. You know what Nehushtan means? It's a great word, right? Nehushtan, grand Nehushtan. Like that's probably why they started worshiping it because it has such a cool name, right? Nehushtan translated into English means thing of brass. That's it, thing of brass. In the very name of it, he just listed it and named it. Like I'm like, come on, Moses, you couldn't think of anything else? Like, no, that was the point. It's not anything big. It's not anything exciting. It's a thing of brass. It's not a God. It was simply a tool, a miraculous tool, no doubt. A miraculous tool that is powerful, that healed people from a venomous snake bite. Up on a pole, look at it. Nehushtan, look at the thing of brass, saved. Not by the thing, by the God who created us and the thing. Hold on to that thought, because I have an idea. It's a little risky, but here at Dayspring, we take risks, right? You'll see that I've set up a little bit of a presentation here. Here's your first Nehushtan. You know what that is? Yeah, everybody knows what that is. It, you haven't lived in the United States or the Western world if you don't know what that is, right? Some of you spend way too much time interacting through one of those and not nearly enough time interacting with the Lord Jesus Christ or yourself because this is a B-level predator. It's been used by our enemy to distract you. Maybe it's your work. Maybe it's games. We play a ton of games. We waste a ton of time. And you know what? In the spirit of King Hezekiah, I think we should smash that stronghold in your life because it shall not have a hold on my life. I'm talking about strongholds here, folks, and I'm talking about a B-level predator that is distracting you and the work that God has called you to do because you've committed yourself and your identity to how many Facebook friends you have or the development of your network. And you are so connected to everything and everybody in this world, you've lost connection with yourself. In the spirit of King Hezekiah, in the spirit of King Hezekiah, There is a breaking of the chains here this morning, ladies and gentlemen. For those of you who feel that, just like I did, could be your television. 
Wendy and I got married. We were great, first best life, best year of our lives. We were in a great, wonderful, passionate church. And she came home convicted one night, said, you know what, honey, I think we need to unplug the TV. <laughs> what? We just need to unplug it, turn it around. We're not watching TV anymore. I, in my mid, mid to late 40s, am in a part of a generation where I was just planted in front of the TV. And I'm not criticizing my mom and dad and you know, all that, but we just, we just watch TV all the time. It was just always on. Well, guess what? Television, they're telling you a vision. They're telling our kids a vision. And it ain't the vision of God, so turn it off. There's a, there's a big TV back here in this classroom, guys. I was wanting to come out and crash that thing. They wouldn't let me though. It's one of those old big tube things, you know. Let's just blow it up. You see, this is a tool. That's just a better version of that, right? Because now I can go anywhere. I can work all the time. I can be contacted 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. I could work all the time. All the computer, this is a quote from the founder of Intel. Intel just says simply, the, 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 the microprocessor, all it does is speed things up. It's nothing miraculous other than it just allows us to do more transactions and more interactions and more connections and more transactions and it just speeds things up. And for about 10 or 11 years at Malone, I was equipped with a laptop computer because I was on the move, right? And I would take it and I'd bring it home, I'd work and I'd have this and all this, have this, all this stuff. And you know what? This became a huge distraction in my life to the point, and, and this is where I'm gonna get a little bit more personal, guys because I found myself not going to bed with my wife at the same time. Well, I gotta do a little bit of work, or I gotta check my email, or I gotta go, and then one thing leads to another, and I've wasted two hours, and the enemy has crept up beside me, and he has drugged me away, and I've treasured things that I shouldn't treasure, and I've held in my heart things that God never intended me to hold in my heart. And so about 10 years ago, I actually went to Malone, and I said, you know what, I can't have this anymore. I need you to issue me like a desktop computer so that it's locked in my office, and I just, I can't have this anymore. And they go, well, come on, it's so convenient. Yeah, yeah, it's so convenient. I don't want it. I, I can't do this, can't do this. I won't do this. So maybe that's you. And, and again, listen to me, beloved. I, I am not saying that we just need to, you know, go live on a mountaintop somewhere, although that'd be great. We have to be relevant. We have to be connected. We have to be in the world as Jesus prayed us but we will not be of the world. We will not allow this to consume our attention to the level that is hurtful and harmful to us and in the spirit of King Hezekiah. But if you, especially you guys right now, this is for you, okay? Guys, we have to live pure lives. We have to guard our minds. We have to prioritize our time and our relationships far above our thought life and these other things that are going on with us, okay? You know, it is, uh, just keeps getting better, doesn't it? How many of you own one of these? You know, this is a tablet that is more like an iPad or a, or a you know, a Kindle. And it, it's even, it's just a better version of that, right? And now we can watch TV with our little membership services and we can buy stuff and we can take online classes and we can communicate and we can do anything we want right from the palm of our hands. And I think my point's very clear that the time that we spend, we are spending more and more and more time doing these types of things. There's a graphic here. 
We're using our mobile devices more than ever and increasing numbers of people are suffering because of that. You can't read this really well, but I want you to follow me. 60% of all people in America experience some sort of health problems related to the use of technology. Headaches, eye strain, neck strain, back pain, wrist pain, carpal tunnel, insomnia. We haven't even mentioned all of the emotional side of this from mental illness and depression, self-comparison. You realize there's a technique out there, we've all learned it, to take the best selfie of yourself, right? It's to be upward. Don't do this like I do. Oh, look at that, like a double chin. Don't do it that way, right? Do it this way. Make sure the lighting's right. And then we post it, and millions of pictures each day get posted of the best side of us. And what does that do to you, ladies? I believe it distracts you and it gives you a false sense of what you should be or what you need to be to be attractive or to be desired. And that's garbage. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Ladies and gentlemen, show me the graphic with the, with the, with the, the bar chart, Katie. Okay, so watch this. This is the number of hours and the time that we spend in app and on our mobile devices in the last seven or eight years, seven years. So in 2012, we spent about an hour and 40 minutes a day in the apps and then about 38 minutes online. And you'll see that transition changing over the years here now to where we, at, in 2008, it will be predicted that we will spend three and a quarter hours a day in apps, okay, doing our thing, and then another 51 minutes or so online, okay? That's just the mobile devices. I didn't talk about how much TV we watch or how much time we're at work working on the computer, which I read some statistics from the New York Times about three to seven hours a day that we're working on a computer, interacting. See, the tabletop, the, the, the desktop has changed from something horizontal to now something vertical. The desktop has changed from something horizontal to something vertical. How many hours? How much time? At what risk? If it's a stronghold in your life, it has no place to take the place of your time with Jesus. And in the spirit of King Hezekiah, if you struggle, I want to free you this morning. I want you to start to live differently and to put this tool in its place. It's just a thing of brass. It is just a thing of brass. You called it, Elmer. Because all this is, is just a better version of that, right? A couple statistics for you. Do you realize how much we interact with our phones every day? On average, an American person will interact, meaning touch, look, check, text, fight, talk, phone, apps, whatever, 4,000 times a day. Because it's so convenient. It's so easy. It's right there. It's just in my pocket. I can go anywhere, do anything, anytime, anywhere, any place. All I need is a connection. It's an awesome tool. Hear me clearly. Unbelievable times that we live in, right? I can work, I can cut business deals across the world. I don't even need to shake the guy's hand, Dallas. Yeah, no, there's no handshake. We may interact with him in a video conference. We'll do a webinar. Oh yeah, that's fine, that's good enough. We got the technology. But there's something missing here. Folks, we are missing something. It's the super connector, but it's also the, the super enslaver. How many of you can't do without your phone? See, the joke was, is that you, all of you who are technical savvy, you, you know what I just pulled out of my pocket. This is an old phone because none of my girls were willing to give me their phones this morning. 
said, what's up? Just give me your phone. I need to use it in my, in my sermon today. I don't think so. Here, Dad, you use this phone. Right? But you know what? This wouldn't be a bad idea because the phone has become a, a tremendous temptation and we need to dumb down our smartphones. This is what I've done, personal testimony. I'm not on social media very much because I deleted it all. I'm going to use my phone to text you and to call you and talk to you. How about a phone that works, right? How about a phone that I can just talk to you? In this generation, you, don't even, you have a phone, but you don't even talk on it because you won't answer it when I call you. So I might just go back to one of these if Verizon will help me. Uh, the, the guy's going to think I'm crazy, right? I want one of these. Can you hook this back up from the dark ages? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm from the dark ages. Call me that because I was passionate and I believe and I'm close to Jesus when I'm in the dark ages. Then so be it. I would challenge you to turn off your phone. A couple different items. Either take all of Sunday and turn it off. I, okay, you're going to call your mom. You're going to talk to family. You're going to check in. That's fine. That's good. But turn it off. Otherwise, right? Do the Lord's work with the tools that the Lord has given you. But it's going to be a distraction. If it's going to be a distraction, remove it. I don't have the scripture references popped into my head. You know what Jesus said? If your right hand causes you to sin, you're better off cutting it off. Okay? Your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Better for you to go to heaven without your eye than to go to hell because of what you've been doing with your hand and your eye. And so in the spirit of King Hezekiah, I want to break that stronghold of your phone with you today. Turn it off. I'd shut it down at 8 o'clock every night. Shut it down at 7 o'clock every night. Just turn it off. Connect with someone. Someone, not something. Connect with someone. And connect with yourself and connect with the Lord Jesus because that shall not have a presence in our lives that is taking his time and taking his dedication. It's estimated that today's teen boys, okay? We have a crisis, ladies and gentlemen. Boys alone will spend over 10,000 hours playing video games by the time they're 18. 10,000 hours playing video games. Okay, I couldn't find a game system. The gaming whole thing has just exploded. 10,000 hours in our young men. 10,000 hours. It's estimated that you're going to study 5,000 hours to get your first bachelor's degree. 5,000 hours to get you a bachelor's degree. 10,000 hours by the time they're 18. You're pretty good at it. You're pretty good at it. Pretty good at what? Pretty good at it. Pretty good at playing games. So we have a crisis here, folks. And that's a whole nother sermon, maybe for another day. It's a tool. It's a wonderful, miraculous, awesome thing of technology. All of this is, but it shall not have that kind of pull. There, there's an addiction that I'm speaking of, okay? You achieve and, and there's chemical reaction in your brain, okay? You view something, it excites you. There's a, there's a, you get a like, bing, and it excites you. That's a wonderful opportunity for the enemy to slide up next to you. Doesn't that feel good? Until you're worshiping the brazen snake, the, the Nehushtan. You're worshiping your likes. You're worshiping. They're only created. There's a little progression here in the next slide I want to show you. Distraction can lead to deception, which can lead to division, which then gives way to discouragement and ultimately your destruction. We have a mental health crisis going on in our youth and certain, and certain age groups right now, right here in Stark County. And I believe wholeheartedly that Dayspring Christian Fellowship will be used in a powerful way to reignite and to regenerate and to revive this community against our enemy that seeks to destroy us. And so in the spirit of King Hezekiah, 
Put an end to it, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters. Put an end to it. I want to I end with one more passage. It's just beautiful how this comes full circle. Okay, I want to take you to a place now. Ultimately, the, the last slide here, Katie, is uh, John 3. John 3, so turn there with me if you can. John 3, 14, 15. So Jesus is talking with Nicodemus. Okay, Nicodemus is a teacher of the law, a Jewish expert in the law in the Old Testament. So think of the context here of a, of a very educated person who knew this story. He knows all about this story. And Nicodemus comes to him and they have this interaction about being born again, born again. And Nicodemus says, oh, but uh, Rabbi, <laughs> how can a man who's old go back into his mother's womb and be born again? He says, no, no, no. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. And he ends with this passage, this same observation. Look at 14. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. What's 16? He just set it up. It's the most important verse that we all memorized when we were this high. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him, look to Him, would have life and would not die of this serpent's bite because we've all been bitten. Look to Jesus. That's how, this, that's how this ends, folks. Jesus is lifted up just like the Nehushtan, just like that picture of Moses making. And, and I think it's just great that it's a snake. It's like this poetic, supernatural, divine dig. I'm gonna use a snake to illustrate the evil and I'm gonna use that image to save my people in the Old Testament. And then he who knew no sin will become sin to save you and I. And so my message ends really simply here, folks. We need to look to Jesus. Crash those strongholds down. Face that B-level predator in your life, okay? Face that B-level predator with strength and show your teeth and say, not on my watch. I will live for Jesus alone. And he has my allegiance. He has my love. And he is my Savior and Lord. And I look to Jesus. In fact, bow with me right now. I'm going to end in prayer. And Aaron, we're going to end that way. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you for this wonderful message and this image and God, I pray for the strongholds that were broken today as, my, as that old hammer struck those things of brass. And that just like Hezekiah did, we would smash those idols in our lives. And that we would free ourselves. Lord, that we would, we would not be afraid to be alone with you. That we wouldn't just constantly be searching and connected through these devices. Oh God, forgive us. We repent this morning. And we ask that you would use us, Lord, to be a shining light in this community, to show people a better way to live. That yes, Lord, we would be in this world, but we would not be of it. That we would not fall victim like Ahaz is and, and, and simply take on those characteristics of the world around us. That we would be different, Lord. That we would be holy in your name and for your glory, God. I bless this congregation and ask that you strengthen us and give us courage to stand against that, that predator. And in the name of Jesus, we will be victorious. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are our defender. You picked up all my pieces, Lord. You put me back together. You reintroduced me to your love. Hallelujah. Free your people, Lord, this morning. May they walk out of this room changed, Lord. Change us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. This has been another episode of the Encouragers United podcast with me, Charlie Grimes. I would love for you to do me a favor and leave a comment and a rating for this podcast. It means more to me than you know, because that's how people are alerted about the Encouragers United podcast. I invite you to simply let me know how I'm doing, and that refers others to listen as well. I appreciate and read every one of your comments, and I'm trying to make the show better and better each week. For more information and to connect with optimistic, enthusiastic leaders all over the world, be sure to search for Encouragers United on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, or visit my website, charlesrgrimes.com. Thank you.